The Dugout CEO Podcast is on the air. I'm Phil Van Horn, baseball lifer and fan of the Dugout CEO. Each week, Casey Cavell goes around the horn with baseball superstars, Hall of Fame coaches, and business leaders who've used baseball experience to win the game of life. Now batting, Casey Cavell. Nation, welcome to the Dugout CEO podcast. Today, I am joined by Ray Hilbert. He is the co-founder and CEO of Kingdom Factor, one of America's leading ministries to Christian business owners and key executives. He is passionate about helping high-capacity Christian business leaders address the areas of balancing the demands of both their personal, professional, and spiritual lives while building successful companies and organizations. Ray, welcome to the Dugout CEO. Hey, thanks, Casey. I'm excited about uh, what we're going to talk about today. Likewise. So I'm a Cubs guy. You're a Reds guy. So maybe we start there. How'd you become a Reds fan? Tell me about your baseball journey growing up, playing, being a fan, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, well, any baseball fan knows that the single greatest lineup in modern day times is the Big Red Machine. And so growing up in central Indiana, the, the, the closest team was the Cincinnati Reds, of course. And so I remember uh, uh, going there as a young, young boy and um, watching the Reds come up with a great rivalry with the Dodgers back in the day. And then in the mid-70s is when it really kicked in. And I was, you know, 10, 12, 10 to 12, my 10 to 12-year-old years as a youth going to the Reds game was just short of heaven. It was unbelievable. And um, if you want me to, I'll name the starting lineup and maybe some of their stats, but uh, maybe not. But um, that's how I became a Reds fan. They were the closest uh, team to where I live in Indianapolis, Indiana, and uh, just started going. And uh, how could you not root for the single greatest lineup in the history of modern day baseball? I know some people would argue with that, but I don't know how they would successfully dispute it. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm not I'm not going to argue. I would say one of the best third basemen of all time, Chris Sabo, right? You got to go there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> University of Michigan product, you know, part of the 1990 World Series champions out of the University of Michigan. And and uh, yeah, I had Mad Dog. He was something else. Yeah. But he, he would not have even cracked the lineup of the Big Red Machine. Let's just call that for what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good deal. We've known each other for a while now and just appreciate who you are and what you're about. And, you know, as a CEO and as a baseball guy, I wanted to bring you on here because you got a lifelong, uh, really just really super cool, amazing journey, building businesses, helping other people build businesses. So let's go into the uh, business side, Ray. I guess just give us an update what you're up to today business wise. Yeah. So for about the last 25, 26 years of my life, I have specifically and only worked with faith-based entrepreneurs, uh, individuals whose Christian faith uh, shapes who they are as a person, uh, their value system, their worldview. And so what what I do, uh, my firm is called Kingdom Factor, and I launched this new firm just a couple of years ago after having launched and exited another firm uh, about 20, over a 23-year period of time. But about two years ago, launched uh, my new firm called Kingdom Factor, and we're really, really concerned with how does God's king fa- kingdom factor into all areas of life and business. And so um, I, I meet regularly with uh, faith-based uh, entrepreneurs and really 
um, try to help them integrate and live out their faith in all areas of their business and their leadership, their homes, their communities. And so there's a coaching aspect to it. There's some group huddle dynamics to it and those sorts of things. But yeah, this is, this is the space I have been in. Um, conduct what we call uh, cohorts or mastermind groups, if you will. And I, I stopped counting, Casey, a few years ago at 1,700 of those sessions that I have been a part of. And so somewhere along the line, I, I don't claim to be an expert in anything, but somewhere along the line, I've learned a thing or two. And it's just an amazing blessing and, and wonderful thing that I get to do on a daily basis working with these entrepreneurs. So you help other entrepreneurs, CEOs, business owners, you know, majority of people listening to this are in some sort of leadership position. They're a coach, right? They're a business owner. Yeah. If you were to give them certain advice on what you have seen other successful entrepreneurs do versus ones that don't make it, what do you think that thing is? Yeah, I think, for, first of all, speaking to the entrepreneur um, and to the CEO, particularly the entrepreneur, but perhaps also to the CEO, but an entrepreneur, you've got to understand that for someone to start something from nothing takes a tremendous amount of faith. There needs to either be a, a, a I'm going to say a revelation or an idea or looking out over the horizon and saying, wow, there's a need that needs filled. And I believe that I have the capacity or the ability or calling, if you will, or passion to fill that need. And so one of the, the big uh, lessons or principles, if you will, is what a great connection there is between being an entrepreneur and a person of faith. And it, it you know, the Bible has this verse that says now, now faith is the, the ability, and I'm paraphrasing out of Hebrews 11, but faith is essentially the ability to believe something or believe in something without seeing it. And so an entrepreneur believes they have a solution to something that maybe hasn't been solved yet. And so they might try to do something in, 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 that's never been done before. And that involves faith. Yes, it involves skill. Yes, it involves passion. But you got to have belief in something that's not yet been done. So a big factor, an underlying factor in all of that is to be successful as an entrepreneur, frankly, as a CEO or a key leader, You've got to have belief in something that you can't see. You've got to have belief in something bigger than you that you're trying to accomplish something outside of yourself. Or at some point, you're going to hit the wall and get burnt out or frustrated. You've just got to have a bigger vision, something you don't necessarily um, hasn't happened yet, but you've got to believe in. So it feels like most entrepreneurs have that belief, or at least that's what gets them going. But oftentimes the belief or the vision doesn't happen. Um, have you ever watched the uh, documentary on Amazon or not Amazon, but Netflix Fire Festival? I've not. No. So you got to give it a look. Maybe some of our listeners have where there's serial entrepreneur, total visionary. He sees this thing where he wants to throw this massive rager of a party and music festival on this random island in the Bahamas. And the vision is there and people are randomly following him. But the vision doesn't happen. And I'm not going to ruin it for you, Ray, but it gets okay. a little messy and a little bit wild. And those that have seen it know. What is the difference between that entrepreneur, that business owner that has that big vision and it actually happens 
versus the entrepreneur or the business owner that has that big plan and it doesn't happen? What have you seen? Yeah, I, I love that question. And I, you know, these questions aren't rehearsed. So I, you know, this is going to be a spontaneous response. And I think that there is, there is, it's important to have that vision and the belief in something that you haven't seen done yet before or a solution that not, has not yet been found or, or created, right? That's part of it. However, that's the head or the heart, depending where you're coming from in that. But you also have to have the hands. You have to have the skill sets. You have to have the ability to actually do what needs to be done, the work that needs to be fulfilled, or the, 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 the projects that need to be you know, completed or so forth. It's a both and, okay? There, one of my favorite, you know, I am a man of faith, so one of my favorite Bible verses is from Psalm 78, 72. And it says this, it says, David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands he led them. And there's a couple of really cool things going on in that particular verse. It says that David was a person who led with integrity of heart. He had character, right? He had vision. He had principle. He was following God's calling on his life. He was trying to do the right things, okay? The second part of that verse says, and with skillful hands, he led them. It means he not only was doing the right things, but he was doing things right. He had skillful hands. And so the difference between an entrepreneur who's a pure visionary and an entrepreneur is in someone who just has the ideas, but nothing ever seems to happen, like what you were saying, the difference there is, do they have the capacity and the skill set to actually pull it off, or is it just a dream? And that's where it gets into each person should understand their own talents, their own gifts, their own wiring, their own personality. You know, uh, a lot of times, the idea of being an entrepreneur is great, but you also have to be very willing to take on a lot of risk and quite often to be the last person paid in a business, right? You need to be the person who, um, especially in the startup phases, be willing to do whatever needs to be done, whether that's writing code, if you're in that first startup phase, or taking out the trash. That's to me is, you know, the difference between a person who's just a visionary or a dreamer, frankly, versus someone who's a true entrepreneur who figures out how to get the work done. Hope that makes sense and helpful. Sure does. So looking at all of these other cohorts that you run with Kingdom Factor, what are the types of problems that you're helping people solve and what does that actually look like? Well, I can I can go no further back to an hour and a half ago. I was having lunch with an entrepreneur, and uh, he he was uh, he's actually is not yet in one of my groups, but he he reached out to me to have lunch. He'd heard about what I do and he wanted to learn and or learn about it. So I asked him. I said, "What's the biggest problem you're facing in your business right now?" And he said, "Oh, that's easy." He says, "My top person." He said, "I'm the owner of the business, but my guy who's basically running my business." Um, I feel like he holds all the power and that at any moment he could take the ball and leave me. And he says, so I let him get away with a lot of activity that I probably shouldn't because I'm afraid he's going to leave the business. And I said, oh, okay. I said, Look, do you want to talk about that? And he said, yes, that's why I brought it up. And I said, so what I see here is two things that you're dealing with is number one, you are dealing with fear. You have fear of loss. 
And I, again, I do everything through a biblical lens. So that's just, you know, my wiring and what God's called me to do. I said 365 times in the word of God, it says, fear not. So I said, so the first spiritual principle that you're violating is you're leading in a spirit of fear. And I said, the second pr spiritual principle that's being violated here is a spirit of pride. You're allowing that person to act in pride as if they're the powerful one. And this isn't necessarily about power, but I said, what are the opposite of those two things? The opposite of fear is faith or trust. The opposite of pride is humility. And I said, so to solve this issue that you're dealing with, you need to move forward or you should consider moving forward. And what does it look like to build a relationship with this top leader that's built in trust and humility? And go have that conversation with that individual and just be willing to be humble and say, look, I don't know exactly what this looks like, but here's what I desire for our relationship in the working environment to look like. What would it look like for us to walk in trust of one another and in humility together? So that's just an, an example of it. And, and it was just like light bulbs were going off for this individual. And he, you know, it was a really powerful for him, I believe. And he, he expressed this as much. He said, this was a real breakthrough conversation. He said, I had not been able to articulate in my own mind the core reasons that I was having this conflict. And he said, you just nailed it. We don't have trust and we're not walking in humility. That's an example. I and can that go on something. and on and on. And that could have been something that happened to him five, ten years ago when somebody else did something to him that allowed him to feel that here in the present. And I do find that a lot of people don't deal with things that have happened to them in the past, and then it kind of comes into the next relationship. So yeah. this person is now telling this person, hey, this is how I'm feeling about this, or are they kind of is that as open and honest they are to this person? Hey, I'm feeling this way and let's talk about it. Or what did you exactly tell them to do? Well, it's almost like you were sitting at the table with the conversation with this Casey because he, he kind of, he did this with his hand. He said, look, I'm here in the organization. I'm the owner and he's here, but he, my right hand person, you know, my, my lead manager here, but he's acting like he's here. Okay. And I says, well, that's the pride right? That's the pride. I said, so he says, what do I do with that? And I said, that's where you walking in a spirit of humility, walk into that conversation and say, look, I know organizationally, I get it. You're the owner, all that sort of thing. However, he, what he had said to me earlier in the conversation was his desire was to be able to extricate himself from the day-to-day -day of the business. In fact, when we sat down, he said, uh, I just need to warn you, my phone is going to be blowing off the hook the entire time we're sitting here because I, I can't get myself extricated out. Everybody's asking me for the answer to every question in my business. And so I remember that from earlier in the conversation. I said, so here's your situation. You've got, this is what you've shown me, but you said, this is where this individual is. I said, in, in their mind, what you need to do is figure out how to help this person see you as together in this together not positional authority, but in partnership. And I said, and I talked to him about his compensation plan. I said, is this individual compensated and is their bonus structure tied to every job and every project that as each job and each project is more profitable, this person makes more 
or is there some other compensation? And he says, no, he says, I've got him on a salary and I give him a bonus twice a year. And I said, well, what's that bonus based on? And, and I said, is it structured to the profitability of each job in the company? Or is it just how you're feeling about things at the time? And he says, no, it's more subjective. It's how I'm feeling at the time. I said, well, there's your issue. Tie your compensation that you make this person a partner with you in the success of the business. So that as each job and project that he's overseeing is more profitable for the business, you win, he wins, you win, he wins, and you guys are on the same page. Now, I know that sounds very simplistic probably to many of your listeners, but there were some issues in his mentality as an owner that he has to work through to kind of see that person as his partner in success and not owner and employee but partner in success. So that's, that's what that conversation was like. That, that was an hour and a half ago. Such a good way to look at that. Can we see the people that we work with as partners in business um, and not just employees that are there to give us what we want? How can we help them get what they want? And in tune, we're going to be rewarded. Do you find, Ray, there's a lot of you know, entrepreneurs and owners that come to your groups that do have that kind of head trash or those fears that, they haven't dealt with or scared to talk about? Yeah, I, head trash, We I carry it. I think we all carry it. You mentioned it earlier, Casey, things that we've been through in the past, things that have experiences that maybe happened decades ago and we buried them and we don't understand the impact of those. So one of the very first things that I do with each one of my, you know, whether you call them clients or members, participants, whatever you would decide to call them, one of the very first things I have them do within 30 days of being in a, in a relationship in our model, we complete something we call the lifeline exercise. And that is where they like in a business chart, in a graph, they chart the highs and lows of their life, the peaks and the valleys, the good and the bad. And we have a discussion about how have these peaks and valleys shaped you as a leader? shaped you as an entrepreneur. Let me give you one specific example because I think that's what we're trying to do here is right get practical application. There was a gentleman that uh, when I first came to know him, every single conversation that I had with him was, I've got to get my business to $10 million revenue. I've got to get my business to $10 million revenue. I mean, it was in every single conversation. And as I grew to learn more about him and his business and his company, it was shaping every decision that he was making in his business. And it was putting a lot of pressure on his team. I mean, everything was about, well, is this gonna get us to that? And he wasn't leading in principle. He wasn't leading, uh, developing a culture based in values and principles. It was based on a number. And so we did the lifeline exercise. And there was an incident. This man was 56 years old, Casey. There was an, uh, on his lifeline, there was the low point when this gentleman was 17 years old. So almost 40 years earlier, a low point. And I said, tell me about that. And he said, I was a junior in high school. I was on the swim team and my swim coach told me with a body like that, you'll never amount to anything in your life. And he said, so I grew up with that in that head trash in my mind I gave so much rent-free space to that comment as a junior in high school. And he said, so as I became an entrepreneur, he said, I did my research 
and I discovered that if you hit $10 million in revenue in a business, you enter like 0.0000001% of all entrepreneurs. You're like the cream of the crop, right? And I had to hit that number so someday I could stand in front of that guy or call that guy and say, I did amount to something. That was head trash that he carried for almost 40 years. And it was poisoning everything about his leadership and his business, right? And so what we ended up doing was I said, would you like to get that released from you that that's not just dominating? Yes, yeah, said, yes. So what we did, I had him write a letter of forgiveness to that high school swim coach. And I said, let's write the letter. We didn't even know if the coach was still living or not. But I said, let's write the letter of forgiveness and let's see what happens. Let's just see what happens. Let's see what happens in your heart, and in your spirit. He wrote that letter and the next few conversations that we had, he was a totally different leader, totally different leader. And his heart was transformed because he got rid of some of that head trash that you were talking about. He just had to process it. So now 10 years later, 10 years later, his business never hit 10 million. In fact, it's gone backward a little bit. But I had lunch with him about three weeks ago and he, he we talked about this story and he says, Ray, I have peace in my life. My family is much healthier. My, my outlook on the world and life is so much healthier because I learned to get rid of that junk in my head and I learned the power of forgiveness. And he equated it right back to that exercise and that letter. So listeners, you know, you might just want to, our viewers in this podcast, I don't know if any of that story you can relate to or not, but I think we all, Casey, have something that if we go back and evaluate, it has impacted us one way or the other, that maybe there's un some unresolved head trash. Somebody said something to us, something happened to us, and maybe we didn't have the, the most loving father. I, I talked to a guy just yesterday, an entrepreneur in on the East Coast, and he says, my whole life is being driven around, I want to be able to stand in front of my dad and say, see, dad, I did make something of myself. And it was just pain. And he was weeping as he was telling me this. So maybe the last four or five minutes of our conversation here can be an encouragement to someone to take a look and say, what do I need to let go of? Who do I need to forgive? Or what incident do I need to put? Just put it away and not let it have that kind of hold over me anymore. Because that's where breakthrough occurs. And new thoughts of ideas and leadership and freedom is when we let go of some of that past. So good. I'm getting emotional as you kind of bring this up because I'm going back to things that thankfully I've worked through. But yes. in my 20s and early 30s, I had the same coach. It wasn't a swim coach. It was a baseball coach. Right. And I lived my life proving to him, which he probably had no idea what I accomplished or what I didn't accomplish. He probably had no idea he hurt me. But at the end of the day, I was living in that and trying to prove to myself and others. And it's just a hard way to live. And you're more focused on the bottom line than you are people. And for years I ran a business like that. So how does, so I think that's good, but how does somebody realize, Hey, I do have that. Like, is this a, Hey, after this show, I want you to sit down and grab a piece of paper and just think for a few minutes. Like what's, what does somebody actually do with this information? 
Well, that's, that's, that's a really good question, and I don't know how any individual might even be processing what, you know, we're talking about. Some ha may have so much anger over it, they can't even health in a healthy way process it, or someone might have repressed it, and they don't even know that it's there. So I'm not trying to be like the armchair psychologist or anything like that. But what I do think is you know, again, forgive me, I just keep going back. There's in, in Psalm 51 in the Bible, David says, search me, O God, search my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. And so, you know, for your viewers, your listeners or what have you, I would just say, search your heart. You know, if you're a person of faith, ask God if you believe in God and so forth to, to show you, God, is there anything that I need to deal with? Is there anything that I've held on to? Is there anything that I've given authority and rulership over my life and my present and my future because it's in my past. You know, I think it's interesting, Casey, in the Bible, <laughs> Moses is standing in front of the burning bush and the, you know, if you believe the story, it's the, the, the through the, the burning bush, God speaks and says, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Well, Moses had this big hang up, right? Because he stuttered. He had a speaking problem. And he's like, I'm not qualified. I'm not. He was reflecting on his past, on what he didn't do well, what, you know, he had been reminded of that and all those sorts of things. But then Moses asked the question. He says, OK, if I do this, who should I say sent me? And God says, tell them I am. Tell them I am. And so as it relates to this topic, we can't live in the past. That's the I was. <laughs> and because when we live in the past, we have regret, we have remorse, we have sense of failure. We got to deal with it, perhaps. We got to draw it up and forgive it or move on with it. But we can't live there because that's the I was. And when we live in the future, then that's where fear and worry and concern can, oh my gosh, what's going to happen with the stock market? Oh my gosh, what? What about this? What about that? It's only when we're in the present where we find freedom. And so I am. I think that's why God said that. Tell them I am. And so for the listener is, okay, take that past, deal with it, and now don't worry about your future just yet. What can you do with it today? What, how can you break through today? How can you get delivered from it today? How can it help you by getting delivered from that or freed from that, help you become a better mother or father, a husband, a wife, an entrepreneur, a manager, uh, an employee, whatever the case may be. But I think we all have something like, you, you know, I have tons, <laughs> okay? But I've, had, I've learned to deal with it and it doesn't hold power over me anymore. It's there as a reminder to keep me humble, <laughs> but it doesn't have power anymore. I hope that's helpful to, to your, to your uh, that's listeners and viewers. So good, Ray. So good. Um, how does somebody get a hold of you, contact you, learn more about what you guys are doing at Kingdom Factor? Yeah, so uh, we do have a website. Uh, it's called kingdomfactor.us, um, kingdomfactor.us, or... Um, I'm Ray Hilbert. I'm on LinkedIn. You can find find us there or that sort of thing. So sure. Yeah. So good. And what are you excited about? Looking at business, life, where are you today? What are you looking for, looking for uh, you know, in the future? Yeah. So we talked earlier about the importance of faith, right? And as a visionary and see, 
Um, there is so much uncertainty in the world right now, whether it's economic uncertainty and what's going to happen with this and that and, you know, uh, global tensions and war and those things. Here's my take on it. There has never been a better time to be a person of faith because I can't and won't trust in any of all this other stuff. I only can turn my eyes towards heaven to get my sanity restored. <laughs> Frankly, I'd go crazy trying to figure out all this earthly stuff. So what has me excited is um, my faith, my trusting God. I'm, I, I'm, I'm in the midst of a, a, a battle with a, a, a prostate cancer, and I'm watching God just deliver miracle after miracle in a very challenging battle. And so I've never been more excited about my faith. And so I somewhat feel like if I've come across a bit strong in, in the faith aspect of, of to your viewers and listeners, please, please don't be offended. You're just listening to someone whose faith is the only thing that's getting me through some of the things that I'm dealing with. And so uh, I'm just excited to tell the world or anybody who would listen. I'm honored that you would allow me to the platform today to share. So I hope I've not turned anybody off. I hope I've encouraged someone today. But that's what I'm excited about, Casey, is my faith. I serve a God who loves me in spite of all my junk. And uh, he's forgiven me for all that stuff. So, Ray, you're amazing. A fighter, a warrior, a winner. Thank you so much. Such an encouragement for Dugout Nation. I appreciate you being a guest on the Dugout CEO podcast. Hey, by the way, can I say one more thing about baseball? Here's why I believe there's a great, you, you probably have had somebody say this to you before, so I didn't make this up, but, but I think there is a tremendous connection, and I think God is a big baseball fan because the first three words in the Bible are in the big inning. <laughs> so I believe, I believe baseball is the first thing God talks about in the Bible. It's the first three words in the big inning. So to me, that's why what you're doing is awesome, this connection of leadership and faith and baseball and all that stuff. So good work, my man. We're going to keep making it happen. Ray, once again, thank you for being a guest. My pleasure. Thank you. Dugout Nation, what a show with Ray Hilbert. We touch a lot today on faith. And no matter where you lie on faith, I hope you were able to be encouraged and inspired by our time. Here are the two big takeaways that I learned from Ray. Vision plus skillful hands equals a successful venture. A big idea or a powerful business vision is the first step, but you have to make sure you know somebody that's going to do the right things and make sure they do the right things the right way. Focus on the fundamentals. Execution of the plan is key to making the vision a reality, and not all leaders have both vision and skillful hands where they love the day-in, day-out operations of their business. So if you're more on the vision side, make sure you have a team around you that has skillful hands to run the day-to-day. -day. Number two. Take action on fear. Look at your past. Deal with it. Don't worry about your future. It will take care of yourself. Living a life where you are pursuing things with a pure heart and motivation is pure and key is the best way to get stuff done. But oftentimes, the past prevents you from operating in a place of freedom. Are you free? If not, how can you break through today? Thank you for joining us once more for another episode of The Dugout CEO. We want to get you the tips you need to become an MVP of what you do. Sign up for our Friday Focus newsletter and you'll receive a valuable tip each Friday morning to help you build the business and life you want. You can sign up by going to caseycavell.com or click the link in the show notes. And make sure to hit the subscribe button 
so you get notification on our next episode. And one way you can help us book more great guests like this is to please leave us a rating and honest review in the Apple or Spotify podcasting app.